0: All right. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Yeah. I, I tricked the 830 service and said Galatians. I don't know what I was thinking, but, uh, but uh, we'll get there, of course, someday. But uh, that, that's a good book as well. But now that we're, we're in the book of Ephesians. So let's remember a couple of reasons uh, about what we're reading and why we're doing this. So the book of Ephesians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. It's not like other epistles that have as part of its agenda, a specific problem to address. Many of Paul's epistles are addressing a problem. It's key, there's, there's confrontation, there's correction, and the problem really evinces itself in the text fairly clearly. But Ephesians is not like that. Uh, there's not a problem uh, that Paul is addressing. There's, there are principles and there's a power that Paul is really celebrating, that he is affirming. Uh, What what Ephesians does for us is inspire us to lift our view, our understanding of the Christian life. It inspires us uh, to, 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 to the highest and holiest kind of living. It does that by reminding us of what God has done for us in Christ. And then in Ephesians 4, which we'll get to, uh, there there is a segment. There's an axis that the text turns on. And Paul says, therefore, uh, walk worthy of the calling you have received. So there's the goal. Walk worthy of the calling you have received. What's going to be necessary then, if we're going to walk worthy of this calling, we need to be reminded of the calling we've received. And we need to be reminded of how great it is and how, and how powerful it is. Because if our view of our calling is hyah, then we're going to live hyah. But Ephesians says, no, it's not hyah. It's hyah. Therefore, live yeah. And now you know Ephesians. <laughs> Last week, we looked at the first part of Ephesians 2, where Paul says that in Christ we have been saved. And he, remind, he reminds us that we deserved wrath. And we were unafraid to look at those words with both our eyes and not, with our, and not be all woke and weird about it. We <laughs> Deserved wrath. If we never, if we didn't understand the kind of wrath that we deserved, we'd never appreciate or seize or delight in the grace that we have received. We deserve wrath, we received grace, and it was about what God has done to raise us from our own death in sin and trespasses and raise us to life in Christ and into relationship with God. The second part of chapter two is going to emphasize that same work of grace. But Paul's going to show us that not only has God, does, God done something powerful to restore uh, we, we who were dead. He's brought us to life and seated us in fellowship with Christ in the heavenlies. That same work of grace has done something not only to reconcile us with God, but with one another. Here's our main sentence this week. It's this. In Christ, you have been brought near we say those last four words together, have been brought near. Not too bad, but let's try it so you'll remember it, shall we? Have been brought near. That's what you're going to remember today, I hope, uh, what you'll take with you. Here's what Paul says, beginning in verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who, were, who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision which is done in the body by human hands remember that at one time you were separate from Christ excluded from the citizenship in Israel foreigners to the covenant to foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world that's the bad news verse 13 but now in Christ Jesus you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ yes. this is the axis that this whole passage will turn on today you have been brought near by the blood of Christ how did he do that for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed He came and preached peace to you who were far away and, pre- and peace to you who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people. And also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together. Are you feeling that? To become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Whew. You have been brought near. Paul begins this section by reminding his his audience, Gentiles, of the division that once defined them. Remember, you were born Gentiles. You were called. You were called the uncircumcision by those who called themselves circumcision. That's done human hands. He reminds them of their division, and it, it isn't it interesting and kind of silly how. How ancient peoples defined themselves by their divisions. It's ridiculous. We should we should condescend and look down on them. For look, yeah, I mean it's a good thing that we've come this far. The literature of the day. Now you might even say this. You might say, "Oh yeah, that's funny." Well, boy, do we? They don't even know it. Boy, do we got it bad. The literature of the day affirms these things. That the Jews had such a a contempt for Gentiles that they believed their only purpose, that the only purpose of a Gentile was to be fuel for hell. The only reason they existed was to keep hell hot. If a Jew married a Gentile, They'd have a funeral. If a Jew married a Gentile, the Jewish family would have a funeral. So this this is much worse than just not being invited to Thanksgiving or getting just a card at Christmas. (laughs) This is your dead. They mourned your death. These people were divided by generations of hostility, and at the time that Paul's writing this, right at the, about this right time, in the city of Caesarea, Jews and Gentiles were slaughtering each other in the streets. So let us listen to what Paul says. Paul, what Paul believes, what Paul claims is absolutely true, that if what that if Jesus Christ Lean into me, North American church. If Jesus Christ can bring peace between Jew and Gentile, then he can bring peace between you and the person next to you or the person across the street or the person who has different levels of melanin in their skin or a different dialect. Jesus has already done it. Their division, Paul alludes, was the work of human hands. Division, he said, that was done in the body by human hands. And when he alludes that their division was done by human hands, he's, he's hinting to the reader that their reconciliation is done by the hand of God. Verse 12, remember that at one time you were separate from Christ. Somebody say separate from Christ you were separate from Christ. And then he says, excluded from the citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise. You were without God and without hope in the world. Now, number one, this is true for anyone outside of Christ. You are out with, If you're separate from Christ, then you are excluded. You're foreigners. You are without God and you are without hope in the world. That's true of anybody. It's also true... Uh, in a in a in a further sense, with Paul's audience, and it's here's the deal: Christ means anointed one. You've probably been around a minute; you've heard that it means anointed one, and it's the it's the Greek translation of, of the Hebrew uh, title Messiah, anointed one. Right, and so what we know, or what you've probably have heard, is that the Jewish people. Had They harbored, they carried for, we don't know how long, when it was codified, when it was really clear in their midst. But they carried a hope for Christ. They carried a hope for the Messiah. That the Messiah would come and redeem them and save them and restore them. And so no matter how bad things were, they believed they knew that the God of heaven was orchestrating history. No matter what sad life was going on, no matter how dark it was, no matter what despair surrounded them, they knew the God of heaven was orchestrating history. They were a people that were marked by an immovable hope, and that hope was Christ. But the Gentiles, had no such hope, no such expectation, no such governing world view. The, to the Gentiles, the world was their worldview was made up of a mixture of nihilism and fatalism and religious plurality and atheistic despair. Their best their best philosophers said that it, life probably just starts over every 3,000 years that we get to our we everybody gets to their best and then everything burns up every 3,000 years and starts over and that was their best. they were without God and without hope in the world. so I was true technical sense it remains true of everyone outside of christ that's the bad news but like last time paul paints an honest picture of the depth of the problem before sounding the bell of hope and here it is listen to it ring verse 13 but now in christ jesus you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of christ and again, there's, even, there's two implications here. First of all, for all of us who were far from God, we have been brought near. Would you say we've been brought near? We have been brought near. For all of us who are far away, no matter, no, woo, this is one of the reasons why I sat today. There's just so many times I want to jump up and holler and I don't want to frighten you. But no matter, no matter how far away you have been, it doesn't matter how dark, how desperate how broken, how rebellious, how angry, it doesn't matter how far there is no shortness to his reach. No matter how far you have been, the blood of Jesus has brought you near. And every single one of us to the same point. It's not like, well, you're out there in the, you know, this, the, the cheap seats. The blood of Jesus bought no cheap seats Every one of us has been brought near. The word brought near means squeezed close. Imagine the mighty arm of God reaching out and squeezing you close. Yes, nothing that you could do. You didn't inch your way closer. You didn't crawl your way closer. You didn't earn your way closer. You are not entitled to this. Your hubris has no place in the presence of God. Only your gratitude. Only your joy. The second implication, though, is this. Paul is speaking to the Gentiles specifically who had once lived outside. They lived outside of Christ. They lived outside of citizenship. They lived outside of the community and the covenants of Israel. They lived outside of the people of God. But now the blood of Jesus has brought them near. Not only have they been brought near to God, but we have been brought near to one another. It's the same movement, brought near to God and near to each other. Wow. I think that's a click. To God and then one more clicker. Clack. Clack. PowerPoint, there it is, to one another. I didn't want to, I thought, oh, they're holding out on me. We have been brought near to God and to one another. That's a good thing to say out loud. We have been brought near to God and to one another. Those who were once separated by unbelief and hostility have been brought near to one another by the blood of Jesus. How did he do that? Verse 14 picks it up. He is our God peace for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations if we start at the end we see this that in his flesh he has set aside the law how did he do that it, this means that he himself bore the punishment for all of our law-breaking in his own body christ jesus took the punishment for all law breaking upon himself and in himself he also fulfilled all the requirements of the law and and the righteousness of god in himself he bore the price and he fulfilled the obligations and in so doing he set aside the law also by raising the standard of it if you've been around for a minute we talked about the ten commandments and how great they are and how how many times people People found a workaround. Don't murder. Okay, great, but I can be angry, cuss, and punch you. <laughs> no, no, no. Jesus raises the standard or raises our understanding of it by saying, no, he raises the standard of devotion to God and duty to one another by saying that we will love the Lord our God with everything, and we will love our, one another. We will love each other as he has loved us. And in so doing, Paul says, he has destroyed the wall of hostility. He's destroyed the wall of hostility. Okay, four of you like that. Maybe I can persuade you to like it more. When as soon as I said "wall of hostility," probably you you thought of or imagined that a metaphor, a wall of hostility that, and you could even feel it sometimes. Perhaps some of you felt it in the car on the way here. <laughs> 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 hey, hey. <laughs> this church. you know, I don't know you have all the things that people are still overcoming. there's that blinker problem? <laughs> Some things only in glory. The uh, wall of hostility is a real, is a real thing. Uh, you might say, well, yeah, I felt it. Yes, but in the temple, there was this wall. The temple in Jerusalem was broken, is broken up into sections called courts. <laughs> and, and each court, the nearer you got to the holy place, the courts were elevated. And the more qualified you were, the nearer you could come. Based on your qualifications, your ethnicity, your gender. Based upon your external qualities, you could come near. But by the blood of Jesus, we... Have been brought near. those are the four words. Remember, by the blood of Jesus we have been near. the blood of Jesus did this. But in the courts there where there were these courts, And, and the, the outer court, this lower court down here, was the court of the Gentiles. This is as near as they could come. Oh, come on, this is so good preaching right here. This is as near as they could come. They couldn't come any nearer because of who they were, because of their external division. They were down here, and then there was a wall, four to six or so feet high, right here. Went around. And you could, and, and they've, you could Google it right now. You can find the inscriptions. There, there were inscriptions on that wall that said something to the effect of this, that Gentiles could not go past this barrier on pain of death. That is hostility. No further or you, or you die. It's the death penalty to come any nearer. You are so unworthy, so unwelcome, so unlike, so foreign, so excluded. But Paul says that by destroying By taking upon himself the penalties of the law and fulfilling those obligations. And all that he has done for us, he has destroyed the wall of hostility. He destroyed that actual wall and he has also destroyed the wall of hostility between us. Our wall that is built of resentment and suspicion and pride. He has destroyed that wall as well how did he do that how did jesus paul says he did past tense how has he removed that wall verse 14 says it he himself is our peace he this is this is this is better than anything he himself somebody say himself, himself. he himself is our peace when the greek double repeats itself like that he and then himself see when he when he says that He is saying that he is doing this all by himself, that he himself is as totally sufficient and complete. It's not it's not Jesus has a peace plan or a formula. It's himself. How does that work? Well, two parties at odds can can sort of become more civil if through arbitration or you know, mitigation. They can kind of find ways to coexist, but that's not peace. See, that's that's not becoming one. That's just, that's just a ceasefire. He has not, friends, Jesus hasn't come to bring a ceasefire. He himself is our peace. How has he done that? How has he done that? This is it. This is, it is simple. It's powerful and simple. Here's the deal. When, People come together and, and let go of their differences and their hostilities and their divisions. The most powerful way that happens is when people come together over someone that they love. Now, some of you know that's true because no matter how much you do not enjoy your in-laws, that changed when they had babies. A grandbaby comes in, everybody gets along. Everybody shows up happy. And in my, in my own family, there are people that, uh, that I, I maybe, maybe not wouldn't, wouldn't pursue to have a cup of coffee with, wouldn't even maybe think about it, but there are people that have come across our lives that have been exceedingly kind to my family. And when that has happened, everything in my heart changes. Especially if they're, if, you know, how you treat my bride or my kids, all my kids, but then respectfully my oldest how you even say his name those who have been kind to Benjamin you have a friend in me Amen. you have a friend in me and, and we're not even talking about babies babies are just cute other than that they stink and are a mess <laughs> Young parents, you get their best when they show up here. We're so happy! Someone help us! <laughs> Our allegiance over those we love is real, but it's 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 kind of fragile. We're not just talking about people. We're talking about Jesus, and there is something about. Loving Jesus. Well, I know that isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful. We know that he loves us, but there's something about loving Jesus. When I, you, you have done this. You that, have, that know the Lord, you have met a perfect stranger. And if you find out that that stranger loves your Jesus, something happens. You, suddenly, you are like, "Well, we should be. We should eat right now together. We should. We should spend our life together. We. We are. We're related. You're almost offended that you didn't know each other sooner. It's that powerful. You meet people. You know, you go across the world. You meet. A, you meet someone who knows Jesus, and in your heart, you, you're friends forever because you are. There is something about loving Jesus." That, that sets, that destroys hostility in our heart. As a matter of fact, there is something about loving Jesus that must destroy yes. hostility in our hearts. On. Yes. Only when we truly love Jesus do we truly love one another. And anyone who truly loves Jesus cannot, will not, wishes not to harbor hostility in their heart to someone else loves jesus it really is that powerful and simple how has he done this because he himself is our peace we love jesus and so therefore we love one another and if you don't if you don't get that if that's not connecting with you, you say oh that's not I don't, I don't feel that then friend it's not to me to decide but i don't know if you love jesus Paul says his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity of the two, thus making peace. One new humanity. The, word, the, word, the, the Greek word for new there is different. If I have a log and I make a, out of that log, I carve it up and make a pencil, that's new. But there's been lots of pencils. So it's a new thing, but it's not a new quality. It's not something that's never existed before. This word means a quality. It's something that has never existed before. His purpose was to create something new, a new creation. His purpose was not so that, that Jews would become Greeks or that Gentiles would become Jews. Is that all of us would become one new humanity, one new person in Christ. And in his body to reconcile both of them to God. Through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. So uh, our hostility toward one another died in the same place that our sin did. And he came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. Whether you were far or near, same message, same peace. And through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Access means special privilege and special devotion. We've all been given that special access and privilege and devotion to God by the same spirit. What's all that mean? It means that we are now his holy place. He says, consequently, in verse 19, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but your fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. What? What? We are his holy place. That's the next slide, verse 19. We are his holy place. We're no longer foreigners. We're fellow citizens. Not only has Christ made us a new person, but he has made us part of a new family. We are part of a new household that is built on prophets and the apostles. And Christ Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. And Paul says in verse 20 and 21 that we are joined together. Somebody say joined together. That's not duct tape and chicken wire. That's not a fragile. God himself has joined us together. Why are we being joined together? We are, being, we are joined together and we are rising. We are increasing. We are being fastened, strongly fastened together, continuing to be built into what? An ever-increasing growing temple in the Lord. Yes. We are his holy place, a dwelling where he lives By His Spirit, the whole purpose of this is more people, more presence. That's it. It's not just not one or the other. We're not just all we just want to get. It's not just having a crowd, and it's not just being by ourselves in the presence of the Lord, as much as wonderful that is. God's purpose is to get as many people together as possible to be a dwelling place for His presence. This is why we do what we do. This is why we assemble. This is why we, can't, can we continue to dream and hope and imagine for the future. Because God's desire is more people yes. and more presence. Yes. This is why we have been brought near. Yes. We have been brought near. Near to God and near to one another. Christ Jesus himself is our peace. and Therefore, we are a new person. And we are a new people and our whole purpose our whole purpose is the presence of God can we give a Lord thanks Lord we thank you Lord we praise you Lord today we remember what you've done we consider in awe and in wonder that we were far away We were hopeless, we were outside and excluded, but your blood has spoken a better word over us. We've been brought near to you and we have been brought near to one another so that we will be a people of your presence. been brought near live like it be kind to someone on your way out may the lord bless you may you remember that you are a people of his presence where you go we go god bless you have a fantastic weekend